Hello and welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast. As you listen to this message, I pray that you're built up, encouraged through God's Word, and I pray that His Holy Spirit leads you and guides you in the way that you should go. I pray that He gives you answers for your questions, healing and help for your life. Most importantly, I pray that this Word helps you to become more like Jesus and a greater influence for Him in our church and in your world. Now, let's grow together. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Grace Avenue. How are you? Can we just give a, a great round of applause for all of our teams serving right now in the parking lot in the hot sun while you're in the air conditioning, dealing with your children so you don't have to, teaching them about the Lord and doing good things right now all around our church. Huge uh, round of applause also for the worship team pouring it out week after week after week. Can we just appreciate them? Thank them for what they're doing. All right, so um, I want to jump into the message, and I want to start with a recap from last week, and just really what God put on my heart last week to start with, and I'm going to kind of continue that today. Last week, I talked about going and standing in the water. It was God's people had come to this place of the Jordan River. They'd been wandering for 40 years. They'd been on this 40-year journey, and they know that God has done miraculous things through Moses. They've been part of that. They've seen it. Their children know it. Their grandchildren know it. A generation, some, many have, have already passed on. Joshua was spared. Joshua is leading God's people now. But Moses is dead, and, and Joshua is required to step up and step in and start leading God's people. And now they have to trust the leadership of Joshua. They can't trust the way things have been, and they have to come out from under even the attitude of being under Moses, and step fully in faith under the leadership of Joshua. And they come to the edge of this river. I talked about this last week. They come to the edge of the river Jordan, and at this time in this season, the, the river is raging. It's at harvest time, and so it's not a dry little creek bed. It's, it's not a little pond. It's a raging river with rapids, and the people of God have to get across this thing not just by themselves, but they have to bring their families, they have to bring their stuff, they have to bring animals, they have to bring their livelihoods, how they set up homes and tents. They have to bring all of their stuff over. And we're not talking about 10 people or 100 people or, or 1,000 people. We're talking about millions of people have to come across. And so this is a big task, and it's almost as if they've come to the edge of the bank, and now they're in a position where they must trust that Joshua is leading them to an answer, that Joshua is leading them into the promise that they've been hearing about from Moses for decades. And they have to trust that Joshua actually has answers for their life and for their families and for their future and for their livelihoods. Okay, And so the river is raging and they're staring at this. So they know it's not just going to take a natural solution to what they're dealing with as they're looking at this river because they're on the edge and they can see the promised land across. But it's going to take something supernatural. God is going to have to intervene supernaturally in their situations and in their lives to get them into their inheritance, to get them into the promise of God and to get them to the next place in the next season that really has a, 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 the potential to be a blessing to generations to come. Are you following me? This is not just so they can get the key to their house. This is so they can get the key to the house for generations to come. 
for their children and their children's children. So Joshua tells the people, we're here at the edge. God has spoken. Get ready. Consecrate yourselves. Tomorrow the Lord's going to do amazing things among you. And then he tells them to keep their eyes on the Ark of the Covenant as the Ark starts to move. The priests start to carry it. He tells them that God has instructed them to go into the water. So the priests go into the water. He says, people of God, keep your eyes on God. Don't look ahead of God to the promise yet. Look at God. Keep your eyes on where God is going, how he's leading, how he's moving. Don't get too fixated on the future. Focus on God. Come on. Who, who gets so focused on the future that we lose sight of God, that we lose sight of his presence, that we lose sight of his goodness, that we start thinking about days ahead and weeks ahead and years ahead, months ahead. We, we get fixated on that. And Josh was telling them, here's how we're going to supernaturally see God do something in our midst. We've got to keep our eyes on him. We're not going to keep them on the circumstances. We're not going to keep it on the raging river. We're not going to keep it on the chatter. Don't you know this is harvest time? We're never going to get across this thing. Do you know how long it takes to get across when the, the river is normal? What about in this economy? Look at the gas prices. How are we going to get these donkeys across? The chatter. The chatter of the people. The negativity of the people. The fear of the people. All around them. In the camp. Spreading from tent to tent. Other people want to stand up and say, that's not faith. But others are saying, well, hang on, maybe I shouldn't say that because then I will be kind of called out because I'll be different. Maybe I should just blend in with the fear. You know what? You are right. We're probably all going to die because of these high gas prices. We're all just going to die. Might as well just blend in with everybody else's negativity. No. He's saying, keep your eyes on God. In fact, he says, consecrate yourselves. Check yourself. Keep your eyes on the Lord. And what happened was the priests go and they stand in the water and the raging river miraculously begins to part. This is different than Moses. Moses had stood at the edge and he was able to see it part. God told Joshua, you have to stand in it to watch it part. Why? Because often we just want to copy the miracles of the people who've gone before us. We don't want to rely on our own faith. We want to rely on the faith of other people. Well, that's what they did, so I guess I'll just do that. But they were looking to God. You're just looking to them. And so he says, I need you to do something different here. I need you to mature in your own faith in this season. And I need you to look to the presence of the Lord who's going before you, who is fully capable of doing what he says he will do. Is this helping you already this morning? Is this speaking to your spirit this morning? There's faith in the room today. And God did it. God changed their situation from being stuck and wandering around, from being aimless, from being uncertain, from being uncertain about the future, from being uh, uncertain and not knowing what was going to happen to settling them into this place of permanency, a place for another generation so they wouldn't have to wander in the wilderness. It's a powerful story that still speaks to us today. And last week, I, I told you about a door of opportunity for us that has opened up a building for our church to actually call home. Yes. And we've been working on that for a while. How long? Well, what were you doing in 2010? That's how long. Who was president back then? I can't even remember. That's how long it's been. 
And for 12 years, it's been leasing places and spaces, never having a place to call home. And last week, I was, I was speaking to our church, and I asked our church to stand in the water like Joshua, to take that example, to stand in the water in faith and to pray fervently for all these pieces to come together. I can tell you even uh, uh, Friday afternoon pieces were coming together. Friday night pieces were coming together. Saturday morning pieces were coming together. Last night pieces were coming together. And I'm happy to say that God has heard our prayers. And we now have a contract in our hands for the future of Grace Avenue. It's right here. Amen. Thank you, Sarah. Sarah's standing up and clapping because... She's been here all 12 years, <laughs> singing every other service for you, pe you people. So she knows the reality of what the weight is here. And uh, like Joshua and the people here in the Jordan River, we have to cross over. We have to cross over into this. The waters have parted. We prayed for God to do the miracle in this economy with our financial situation, with where we are, with the age of our church, with the amount of people in our congregation, with all the pieces that needed to come together, with talking to a bank, getting a loan, being able to work to see this happen. The waters have parted. God has made a way. I think we can celebrate that one more time. Amen. Okay. Now we have to cross over, and I'm going to talk about that. Over the next couple of months, you'll hear me talking a lot about what that means, what that means for us, what it will mean as far as shifting and strategy and change and faith. So I want to go to Joshua chapter 3, verse 17 today, a little bit further into the story and just talk about how this comes. I'm going to be very honest with you. I had another message, and then last night around 10 o'clock, when you're supposed to be going to bed, God gave me another message one that I've never even preached before, one that I've never studied before. So I spent a lot of late last night and early this morning putting this together. I really believe this is God's word for us today in this season. So we're going to roll with it. Joshua chapter 3, verse 17 says, Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan, okay? God's presence went with them. He went before them. God told the priests, go stand in the water for the miracle. And their responsibility from there was to stand firm on the dry ground. To stand firm on the dry, dry ground. Now, what does that mean to us? What does that, that teach us? What can we learn from that? Well, to stand firm in faith and to trust God, not only as God had done through the life of Moses, not just as in this story where God is doing this with Joshua, but also knowing that we can stand firm in faith for, for our lives and for the lives of our children and our children's children and for the things God wants to do in us, around us, and through us. See, the miraculous element that's so missed in the story, because I've never heard this preached before, and I'm not really even focused on this part of the story. The miraculous element so often missed is that the people stood on dry ground. The ground is dry. See, getting the people to come with you, that's a miracle. The people following the Lord and being obedient, that's a miracle. Because people are rebellious by nature and complainers by nature. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you're a complainer by nature. Okay, and, and by nature, there are things rising in us 
that don't want to obey God, don't want to follow God, don't want to trust God. These are things in our flesh that God is working out in us. And God is bringing them to this place of dry ground. See, the miracles that God sent himself before he did the miracle. The next miracle is that the, the miracle actually happened. The waters parted. The next miracle is that Joshua can say, wow, God, you really are with us. You ever feel like that when God delivers something on your behalf? Wow, God, you really are with us. You really made a way. You really came through. You really saved me from that season. You really saved me from myself. You really saved me from destruction. You really saved me from my own mind. You really saved me from my mentality at that time. You really saved me from despair. You really saved me from the sorrow collapsing me. You really saved me. And Joshua 3.17, let's read this again. The priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel was passing over, again, on dry ground. Okay? Now think about this. The ground that they're stepping on should be soaking wet. If we go to the beach and we just part the waters and we lift it up, the sand is going to be wet. If we go to the Freer River and we part the water, the ground is going to be wet. Not only is it going to be wet, it's going to be muddy. It's going to be sloppy. It's not going to be easy to walk on. See, the miracle here is that God established dry ground. Now think about what that represents. Trust. You don't step where you don't trust. It represents stability. You don't step where there's no stability. Have you seen those videos of people who are walking on like a bridge that's made of glass? And they're walking on it and then all of a sudden they collapse and they freeze. And then they start holding on to anything and everything that they can. And they're trying to make their way back. Right? Because why? They took their eyes off of what was ahead, the stability and the trust of what's been built. And they started to look down at what was going on, and they realized the ground isn't stable that I'm walking on. Even though it is, their eyes are telling them it's not. Fear is telling them, this, I can't stand here. I can't go this way with God. So the people are not only entering the miracle, God's giving them dry ground to, stop, to, to step on and to stabilize their spirit. Can you imagine if you're trying to bring your kids like slopping through mud and then it's all up to your knees and you can't get your animals and there's people are saying, you know what, just leave these kids here. Let's just go. You know, bring the donkeys. Let's go. Leaving animals, leaving tents, leaving stuff. It's too hard to bring all this stuff across. No, God gave them the miracle of dry ground. I'm telling you, as I was reading this, God was just doing something fresh in me. And it got me thinking whew, about the places that were so hard to step on and step into and God gave me ground that was dry to be able to get over past those seasons where I should have sunk where I should have given up you know what it's too muddy here I'm sinking here forget it what's the point come all this way and now I'm sinking in mud what's the point you ever feel that way you ever seen what it looks like when a couple of hundred people are in a mud pit in a concert? See, y'all don't do concerts the way we used to in the 90s. <laughs> we got high and threw mud at each other. It was fun. And the problem was, with just a couple of hundred people in, in a pit, 
mud sliding everywhere. When you get out of there, it's insane what's happened to the ground. Uh, I, I forgot which Woodstock it was. I think it was, I think it was the main Woodstock back in '69, the, the first one. I think there was a law where they banned uh, people from going back there because all the hippies trashed the grounds. It's either the first one or the, the copycat one in 99 that happened. It was really bad. Not as good as the first one. But nevertheless, the, there was some sort of law that was put into place because I believe because people had wrecked the ground so bad from just stepping on it. Guys, that wasn't millions of people at Woodstock. Think about how many people are trying to cross over and what would have happened to the ground if God had not done this miracle of the dry ground. See, the miracle here is not just the water parting, but the dry ground to stand firm on. What good would it have been if people are, are, are crossing only to sink in that? And when you think and you reflect on what God has brought you through, when you remember all the chaos that you've been through, when you think about the confusion that you've been through, when you think about some of the, the days, the weeks, the months, the years, or the seasons where there was just so much uncertainty and you see that there was so much unknown that you couldn't grab a hold of, can you see that now you're standing on dry ground where once you weren't sure if the ground was dry? But now you look back and say, God gave me dry ground. That season could have taken me out. See, God is big on reminders, and God is big on remembrance. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, God's heart and the theme that often runs through in, in both you know, testaments is God's heart for being reminded of his goodness and God's remembrance of all Christ has done for us. And we're to stand firm on the dry ground of what God has done past, what God is doing faithfully in the present, and what God will do in the future. That's not up to him. That's up to us. What does he say when he's with his disciples? As much as you can, do this in remembrance. Why? Because we forget. We forget the dry ground that we've been on. We forget the dry ground that God gave us. We forget the dry ground that we stood on and were stabilized when the wind was blowing and the waves were crashing. We forget. See, you didn't die in the wilderness like some of the seasons should have taken you out. You didn't die. You're still here. That was dry ground God gave you. Remember that wilderness? Has it been so long that you've forgotten? Come on, let's call to remembrance and, and the reminders that God has done some great things. He's pulled you through some stuff. Look, you survived where others fell off the path. Think about that. Do you ever think about that? You're still going. You're still on the path. Others have disconnected. Others have strayed. Others have fallen away. The narrow path. <laughs> the gate is wide, right? Others have fallen off. That's dry ground God gave you. Some of you are standing in a miracle right now. What's going on in your life? The fact that you're married, that's a miracle. The fact that you have your mind together, that's a miracle. The fact, the fact that, you know, you didn't, you didn't pass away from COVID when others you knew did. The fact that God has done things that you've seen and you've attributed to him, that you know it was him, that you know there was no natural way this could have happened outside of the grace, the goodness, the mercy of God. That's dry ground God's given you. See, I, I want us to, to have an attitude of gratitude when it comes to the dry ground God gives us. Not to just to kick the dust around and just kind of move on with life just to get to our inheritance. We're supposed to be learning something along the journey. 
We're supposed to be learning something along the path. You're here today after all you've been through. You're worshiping the Lord. You're serving Him. You're serving Him. You're, you're living generously. You're living faithfully. You're living with promise in your heart and in your head. You're looking ahead to the future. You're believing God for more. You're trusting God for more. Certain things are uncertain. Certain things are unknown. But God's giving you dry ground right now to stand on. You're literally standing on the miracle of dry ground right now in your life. See, part of the difficulty of of people going through traumatic situations in their life is that they sometimes acquire varying levels of PTSD. Now, I'm not, an, I'm not a doctor, and I don't, I don't know a lot about this. I know what I've experienced in my personal experiences with it, and I know what friends have experienced and military uh, vets. You know, and back in the day, PTSD was attributed mostly, that conversation around it, to combat veterans who'd seen the horrors of war and what they experienced. There have been studies on this, just showing what happens to people. But, you know, 20 years ago, when you would hear that term, all you would hear of of is military guys who've been through combat, seen the horrors of war, come back and are experiencing what is called PTSD, right? Now, there are varying levels of it for various things, and we understand it affects people in all different walks of life with all kinds of different things going on. And for me, there are two particular seasons where 10 years apart, I ran so hard and I ran so fast that I hit a wall and ended up crashing physically. Like physically, like my body just said, you're done. You're stopping. Well, you can keep going, but I'm stopping right here. (laughs) Your mind can keep going, your spirit can keep going, but the body's going to stay right here and it's going to crash and we're going to have this nice little thing called an anxiety attack. Even though you feel normal, you're not. Even though you think you're normal, you're not. You're going to have this thing called a a panic attack, uh, and we're going to choose to have it right here on an airplane when you're headed to a conference to go preach. And to show you how serious this is, we're going to have people pull you off the plane because you think you're having a heart attack and you think you're dying, but you're not. But we're going to pull you off there and embarrassingly put you on the ground and, you know, pull your shirt off so your gut's hanging out. And everybody's, you know, they're putting these things on your, (laughs) measuring your heart taking your oxygen levels, checking you, and we're, and we're going to show you how you are not God. And that I'm keeping you on dry ground. Because you think you're going to die, but you're not. And then we're going to get you to the hospital, and we're going to show you that nothing's really wrong with you as much as you're not keeping God before you. And Daniel, you're not responsible for Everyone's individual lives. You lead them. They have to lead themselves before God. And you have to change, right? And in those seasons when I was like that, there's fingers pointing at me. There's people judging. There's people saying this. There's people saying that. And then you feel the shame of that. And you feel the embarrassment. And then you're walking through that. Well, nobody knows this. And I still have to get up and preach. And I got to get before people. And I've got to act like nothing's wrong. You know, I got to, I got to lead them in faith. And you work through all that stuff. What, what I was having to do is learn how to stand on dry ground in the midst of not just chaos in the country and chaos in life and uncertainty with church and uncertainty with people. I was learning how to stand on dry ground in my own faith. Not for the church, not for you, not for my marriage, not for my kids, not for the future, not for all the things, just for me. For me. God, I need dry ground. And God gave it to me. 
in the seasons of, of chaos and loss, he gave me dry ground. The seasons of sorrow, he gave me dry ground. This is the heart of our God. We're looking at the raging river. We're looking at everything crashing around us. We're fearful. Fearful for our kids. God's saying, I'm giving you dry ground. Cross over. I'm giving you dry ground. Keep your eyes fixed on me. Keep looking at me. Keep your eyes set on me. See, when people don't cross over, what happens is they, they stay on the edge of the riverbanks. See, this is why Joshua told them, you've got to get ready. You've got to consecrate yourselves. Because things are about to change. God's about to do amazing things, but you've got to take ownership of where you are, what's going on in your spirit, what's going on in your life, what's going on in your heart and your mind. You've got to do that. See, in order to see the miracle, there's, I said this last week, there were three things that needed, that needed to happen. The presence of God needed to go before them. That was trust. That was so important. To just start from the beginning, before you even get to faith and movement, do you trust God? Okay, because God is going to go before you, and you have to trust God. You have to trust God's leading. You have to trust God's presence. You have to trust that God knows what he's doing. He knows the beginning from the end. He's the alpha. He's the omega. You've got to know for yourself. Not because the preacher says it, not because the Bible says it, not because the counselor says it, not because the small group leader says it, not because the team leader says it, not because your boss says it, not because you saw a bumper sticker on the way to work that says, trust God. You've got to know for yourself, do you trust God? They needed to know that. And then to see the miracle, the people needed to be consecrated. And this is where many people will not only fall off the wagon, but stay off the wagon. Because personal inventory, personal accountability, living holy before the Lord, living consecrated before Jesus, living a righteous life, not living as close to self-destruction and sin as we can, but pushing that line and that boundary so far away that we're as close to Jesus as we can be. That's often the fine line we like to dance, right? How bad can I be and still be loved by Jesus? How sinful can I be and still be loved by Jesus? How, how much can I test the waters of disobedience and still have the blessing of God on me? Which basically just means health and finances, because that's what we want. Don't want to get sick and I don't want to be broke. Amen? So how much can I do that's not of God to keep those things happening in my life, but still be kept close to God? It's like we're, we're playing with our parent deceiving, knowing things, him knowing things that we know, but we kind of don't care. It's personal accountability. This is what Joshua was saying. If you want to cross over, if you want to see the miracle of the, of the parting of the waters, if you want to see the miracle of the dry ground, for you to be stable, you've got to consecrate yourself. Now we do that in Christ. He is our once and for all consecration. We live in him. We live for him. We live because of him, okay? All things in this world are connected to him. Eternity, past, present, future. He's the bullseye. His word. King of kings, Lord of lords. This is what we stand in and we stand under. Do you realize the ground that you're standing on has been paved by Jesus Christ and his blood shed for us? The forgiveness of sins. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That's the ground that we stand on. Not your good works, not how nice to you were to somebody yesterday, not because you didn't cut anybody off in traffic, not because you didn't give anybody the finger on 281. No, because you stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ and all he's done for your life. 
and all he's doing. See, the third thing people needed was the priest needed to stand in the raging river. They needed to stand in it. That was faith. That was faith. Faith in their life for themselves. It meant not looking at what is going around, around, on around them, but looking at God in the midst of it and saying, I know what I see, but I have faith that God is doing something. I have faith that God's doing something. So let me break those down. The first one I said was the presence of God needed to go before them. Is the presence of God before you in this season of your life? Is it before us as a church? Is it before your marriage? Is it before your life? Is it before your finances? Is it before your dreams and goals? Or are you just doing this by yourself? Come on, I know what it's like to, to, to step out into something and put the God bow on it. God, I'm asking you for this. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I've already taken 300 steps into this direction already, but I forgot to ask. But I'm asking you to be in this. Bless this. Not is this you, just bless this. Bless where I'm going. Not where do you want me to go. Not is this the way you want me to go. Not is this your will. Is this your purpose? Is there something more you have for me? Is there something less you have for me? See, how come we can handle promotion, but we can never handle demotion? What is it? Christ was demoted in front of the whole world, visually, in front of everybody, yet we can't take somebody cutting us off in traffic, somebody go ahead of us in line. Like, what is it with our flesh that demands we're number one, demands we're at the top? Where does that entitlement come from? It's our flesh. It's human nature. And so when we look, is the presence of God before me in this? Look. Ephesians 2.10 says this, we are God's masterpiece. He's created us new in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he's planned for us long ago. Do you realize that there are good things God has planned that are already set before you? Already set before your marriage, already set before your business, already set before you in school, already set before you in the relationships you're going to connect to, already set before you for your children. It's already there. You are God's masterpiece. You're new. See, part of our growth and maturity is to stop seeing everything that's wrong with us and, and instead see everything that's right with Jesus. Because this is where we put it on ourselves. We, we see what's wrong with us. We see where we messed up. We see where we can't get it together. We see where we keep failing. Okay, But God's word says that we've been made anew in Christ Jesus. So in Christ, you're not the old you, you are the new in him. You're not a kind of new improved version 2.0 of who you used to be. You're the 1.0 created version of who Jesus says you are. And that's where you stay. He doesn't need to make improvements. His form is original. And you just learn to flesh that out. It's like the iPhone. When you finally get one and you say, oh, man, look at the iPhone. It can do all these things. And people are like, all of the iPhones have done that. You've just never seen it before. You've never explored that aspect of the iPhone. Sorry, Samsung people. I don't do Samsung. <laughs> and this whole time, this iPhone has been doing things or was capable of doing things that you never knew. You never explored it. That's how it is with Christ. We receive him, and sometimes we just settle for the base level of, of salvation. As grand and great as it is, the majesty of it, we accept it, we receive it, we walk in it, and then we just kind of leave it and get on with our life. 
There are good things God has planned for you. Psalm 16, David says this, I've set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. I'll be on dry ground. Dry ground will be before me. See, the presence of God in your life gives you dry ground to stand on. Your life is not an experiment. You're carrying generations. You're carrying dreams. You're carrying decisions that affect people coming tomorrow and next week and next month. And some people aren't thinking past today. But in you and the newness of Christ in you are decisions and goals and dreams and things you'll say and things you'll see and things you'll begin and things you'll initiate that will change people in front of you. This is why the Lord said before us is so important. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith. Right? Okay, number two, where are you? See, that's the question to be asked because it says the people needed to be consecrated. Personal inventory and accountability. And I went on about that earlier, okay? But where are you really, mentally, emotionally, spiritually? Where are you in your, your personal life? Who are you when no one's looking? Who are you when you're not at church? Who are you when you're not on a Sunday? Kind of forced to think about God in an environment like this where you're saturated in it. Who are you in that time? Because that's the you that God is working on as much as when you get the feels on Sunday and when you feel his presence on Sunday. See, God wants to put your feet on dry ground right now in this season, not just someday, right now. Okay, but it starts with us saying the ground that I'm on is shaking. I'm slipping around in the mud. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. That's a great place to start. It's a great place to humble yourself. It's, it's great every now and then, and again, to just scale back and just say, you know what? <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, but God, I'm glad you know where I'm going. It's good to not get so far ahead. See, God wants to put your feet on dry ground. Hebrews encourages, this, encourages us this way. He says, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything. Come on, everybody say, Everything. It says, let's throw off everything that hinders us. And let's throw off the sin that entangles us so easily. See, getting into sin is easy. And then it easily entangles us. And it says, let's throw that off and instead let's run with perseverance the race God has marked out for us, fixing our eyes on him, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and now sits down at the right hand of the throne of God. Number three, the priest needed to stand in the raging river. That was faith. Okay, are you standing in the river right now? Standing on dry ground? Or or is your sight, your vision, your feelings on on the chaos around you? Because the winds are blowing in the economy, life, job security, politics, craziness in the streets, okay? Are you standing in the river? Are you, are, are you just watching? Are, are you standing for yourself in faith on dry ground? See, dry ground was the result of faith, not feelings, and not dysfunctional thoughts, not tormented thoughts. The, the result of the dry ground was obedience to God to step in and trust Him in the midst of 
a wall of water on that side and a wall of water on this side and the reality that my life and my family and my future is caught between the possibility that this could all crash in around me and that this was just a fluke. Or you know what? God's taken these people through and they're righteous, but maybe I'm not. Maybe God got them through, but he's not going to get me through. See, part of our nature is to get comfortable with the riverbanks, the way things have always been, the way things used to be, how things feel right now, to settle for distraction, to take our eyes off the eternal prize. Last verse, and we'll close with this. Joshua chapter 4. This is just a few chapters over. Chapter 4, verse 23 and 24 says, The Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. Listen to this. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. So what is he saying here? God did it. He's capable of miracles. God did it so that you'll know he's powerful. And God did it so that you might fear the Lord your God. God did it so we should know he's capable of miracles. God did it so we should know he's powerful. God did it so we should live in the fear of the Lord. Sometimes when you look up different words in the Bible that have different meanings or some of the same meanings, the word fear means awestruck. Sometimes that word fear is interchanged with awestruck, and sometimes it literally means terrified. You know what it means here when it says fear the Lord? Terrified. I wonder if part of the mess that our country's in, that we're, we find ourselves in, is because we have no fear of the Lord anymore. That we're an entitled people, that we have no holy fear of God. That literally, I won't stand there before God with the dog, with my kids, with my wife, with my accomplishments, with any money, with a bank account, with any of my, my vinyl records that I've collected, with any of my couple of guitars, with any goodies, any little trinkets, anything that I've got. I won't stand before God with that. I will stand before a holy God someday, and I will give, like the Bible says, give account for my life. A once and for all judgment. Where I will stand before the living God, the creator of the universe, who rules all eternity, past, present, future, infinite in time and reach beyond time, I will stand before him and answer for this gift of life that I've been given. And I will stand before him. See, I need dry ground to stand on. You need dry ground to stand on. Our church in this season needs dry ground to stand on. The people of God needed dry ground to stand on. They needed to cross over. They needed dry ground to see the promise of God. What do you need? You need the same thing. Can we stand up this morning? This is the kind of message you get when God wakes, wakes you up at 10 and says, no, you're not going to bed. standing on in this season? Is it muddy? Are you slipping? Have you even stepped in yet? Are you, are you on the edge of the riverbanks? 
saying, I see everybody else going in. I see this chaos. I'm here. Got my stuff, got my job, got my life. It's already been hard. I know what I've been through. God's calling you to cross over. He's calling you to cross over. You're going to have to trust in this season that the ground God is setting before you. He's going to give you dry ground for your life, for your family, for your future, but especially for the way you think. Some of you today is the answer to the prayer you've been praying. It's not going to be found in and of someone else. It's going to be the testimony of what God did. You know, the greatest miracles that we celebrate in our life are the things that we know only God did this. have a human explanation, a human answer that are just miraculous in nature and they came and they held us and we look around and it wasn't a person it wasn't a stimulus check it wasn't the church it wasn't the pastor those were helpful things, but that wasn't what, what got you through that, what got you through that was God himself the dry ground you stand on now you realize it's the same dry ground you stood on then it's the same dry ground God will have you step into in the future Lord Jesus would you give the feet of every person in this room dry ground to stand on Lord would you stabilize not just the path that you're carving out right now would you calm the heart and the mind and the chaos by the power of the Holy Spirit right now Lord bring peace in this place right now where there is torment where there's torment where there's chaos where there's confusion Lord would you take the moments where people are feeling anxious and uncertain and discouraged Lord will you lift that burden off of them right now in Jesus' name, right now in this moment, right now in this service, right now under the sound of my voice, God, would you supernaturally lift off the burden of sorrow and grief and confusion and anxiety. God, would you give them dry ground to stand on? Dry ground instead of panic attacks. Dry ground instead of anxiety. Dry ground instead of depression. Dry ground instead of hopelessness. Lord, by your miraculous hand, as you were the God of Moses, the God of Joshua, the God of the people of Israel, the God of the Bible, the God of the last generation, the God of this generation. God, would you show yourself strong in our lives in this season? Give us dry ground for our future. Give us dry ground in this moment. Lord, would you give us dry ground for the future of Grace Avenue Church in this building that we're stepping into? God, would you give us stability in the midst of economic chaos and political chaos and uncertainty? God, would you do the miracle that can only be seen as supernatural? Would you continue to open doors that no man can shut? Would you continue 
to bathe us in the certainty that you are with us. Lord, would you prepare our hearts to see this through, whatever it takes, to do what we have to do to see it through. We trust you, Lord. We trust you. I believe that before we, we dismiss today, that personal inventory, that accountability I was talking about in the second point, that consecration. I believe there's something God wants you to do personally to cross over into what he has for you. And I believe it's not just a, a prayer that I was praying or a, or a confession of faith that you'll stand on dry ground, but it's a commitment, a commitment to stand on dry ground no matter what comes your way. No matter what you feel, no matter what you see, no matter what you think. Don't give the enemy room to play with your mind. Don't open the door. Shut it down. Friends, family, hold each other accountable. When you find yourself slipping, receive the correction. You're slipping. You're slipping on muddy ground. Get back on dry ground. Dry ground is faith, not feelings. Dry ground is going to take you through this. Don't get mad when people try to stabilize your footing. Let people stabilize you. Let them help you. God is speaking through people. God uses people. How often do we ask God, God, we need your help, and then he sends people, and then we get mad at the people who God sends. Lord, bless your people with peace as they go out today. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you guys. Come on, let's give God a hand this morning. Well, I pray that that word blessed you. If you'd like to know more about Grace Avenue Church or want to know more about how to be a part of what God has called us to here in the city of San Antonio, or if you'd like to sow financially into our vision and mission, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you soon.